Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Process Theology, which explains how it is that everything is in the process of becoming, even God, and you are the means by which God does so. You are significant. My name is Daniel, and I am the host of of this podcast. Hello, my name is Daniel, and I am your host for the podcast, Process Theology. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm 78 years old, living in an old person's facility. I have all my mental faculties and I'm initiating this podcast because it's time. I hope this next statement does not cause you to tune this podcast out. But I have been channeling panentheism for approximately 35 years, and I began the journey of understanding process theology, a form of panentheism which I call symbiotic panentheism, more than 70 years ago. Yes, you heard that correctly. I was five when I had my first experience with cosmic consciousness. Although the concept of cosmic consciousness is not an adequate description of process theology, cosmic consciousness is not expansive enough to fully describe process theology. The experience of channeling did not begin until I reached the age of approximately 50. But why tell you about myself? I'm telling you a little about myself because it's important for you to understand a little about your host. After all, you should know a little bit about the person to whom you are listening. But enough about me for now. Today's podcast is going to expand upon the structure of the whole of reality, expand upon what process theology tells us about the whole of reality. We got a little glimpse of regarding the whole of reality in the first podcast, but there is so much more to tell you. I will leave it up to you, however, to judge whether or not the information I am giving you makes sense. All the information I give you will be based upon reason, rationality, and rational dialectics. In the last podcast, I had you use your imagination to diagram a picture of what reality looks like, the whole of reality. And in that picture, I had you draw a rectangle, fill it with a light gray coloration, and then I had you place a circle with a black outline being the circle, and fill the circle with a white coloration. After that I had you place a dot inside 
the circle. And I described those three things as the rectangle being outside the circle, what exists outside the circle, and the circle being our universe, and the dot representing you, the individual, or representing our species, or all of that. Then I had you draw an arrow, a black arrow, outside the circle, but within the rectangle, at which point I told you to take one end of the arrow, drag it through the rectangle, the gray area, and into the circle, and continue dragging it until it was just touching the dot. This was a representation of an active form of process theology. Now, today we're going to expand upon that diagram, and that's why I went back through the diagram again, because we're going to need it for the next information I am to give you. The circle, it being the universe, leaves us as a species, leaves us as individuals, scratching our heads and going, wait a minute, what lies outside that circle? Now some would have you believe there is nothing outside that circle. That belief that the circle, the universe, is all there is, is what we describe as atheism. For the circle is filled with the physical. In fact, if you look up the definition on Wikipedia or some of the dictionaries, the definition of the universe is given as, quote, the universe is all, not some, not some, all, of space, time, matter, and energy. That's the physical. Now, you say, well, how do we know space and time doesn't go beyond the universe? Well, it was Einstein who gave us basically the description of the universe when he said, with his mathematics, E equals MC squared. Well, what does that tell us? E is energy. And M is matter, or mass. Mass, after all, is that which has, or matter is that which has mass and occupies space. And what about the C? We've accounted for energy, we've accounted for matter, but there's no space or time, or so it appears. But there is, because C is the velocity of light in a vacuum. And velocity 
is distance over time. Well, there you go, time, time. The T in C squared is time. And the distance is taken three-dimensionally, space. So that describes our universe. Well, the next question becomes, well, how do we know there's an outside to the universe? And there are several scientific facts that we have learned about our universe. And one of them, although it's a theory, but it's close to being a fact, is the universe is expanding. Now, if the universe is expanding, if that white circle you drew is expanding, then it has to have an outside, because if it's expanding, it has to expand into something. We call this circumstantial evidence. Another thing is that scientists say the universe has an age. An age. They say the universe is approximately 13.9 billion years old. Wow. Guess what? If that white circle has an age, that implies it had to start and then go so many years. But it had to start because you can't get an age without a starting point. Just like your age. Your starting point, some would say, is birth. And then the number of years you have. Others would say your starting point is at conception. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the diagram you drew in your mind. The gray rectangle, the white circle, and the dot in the middle. So, age indicates, and age for the universe indicates, that the universe had a beginning. And if it had a beginning, then think of it as... There was a time, or there could be an existence without a universe. This indicates that there's something besides the universe. And this something is what the universe lies within. Now, this also is circumstantial evidence that there is an outside to the universe. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, but there are others than these three, is that scientists, astrophysicists, cosmologists, think the universe has a shape. Well, in order for an object to have a shape, it has to have an outside. There you go circumstantial evidence number three. But is circumstantial evidence enough to make us fully accept the concept that there's an outside to the universe? 
Well, scientists, science developed by scientists, use circumstantial evidence all the time. As an example, we have never seen gravity. We have never weighed gravity. We have never smelled or touched gravity. Yet we accept it as an existing force because of what we see happening around us and gravity explains why certain things happening around us occur, such as dropping your pencil. It falls to the ground. And we say it is gravity that's at work there. So circumstantial evidence appears to be enough for science to develop what they call facts. But is gravity the only thing built upon circumstantial evidence? Absolutely not. How about magnetism? How about... the air. How about electricity? We don't see electricity. We see the effects of electricity, but we don't see electricity. And we don't see magnetism, but we see the effects of magnetism. So these are the three the three concepts that I mentioned, the universe expanding or contracting, either way, it's still a case of it needs an outside, and the age of the universe and the shape of the universe are all circumstantial evidence that there is an outside to the universe, which gives legitimacy to this gray rectangle that you've drawn. Now the interesting thing about this gray rectangle is there is no matter, no space, no time, no energy located inside that gray rectangle. The only place you'll find space, time, matter, and energy is within the white circle, or within the physical. So let's talk about two of those areas as a beginning of understanding some of the complexity of process theology. Well, first of all, the gray area, since there's no time, space, matter, or energy, could be thought of as what is not space, time, matter, and energy. And is there anything we know of that is not composed of space, time, matter, or energy? And the answer is absolutely. There is consciousness. Now some people would say, well, consciousness is a product of the 
electrons moving around in the brain. Well, okay, so let's use a different word. There is thought. There is knowing. And whatever that knowing is, although we have a sense of what knowing is, is different than what we find as a universal fabric of the physical universe. So since thought is on the outside, or knowing is on the outside, then is there anything else out there? And the answer is, oh yes, absolutely. There is knowledge. Now the knowledge comes in the form of concepts. And this thought that is located universally throughout the gray area is this knowledge is stored in the gray area. But it's all concepts. And the thought that there is such a thing as light, well, it's a concept. So the thought exists, but the light does not. The only place you'll find the light is inside the white area. Well, what is the white area? The white area is what we call the physical. It's where concepts like light exist and are experienced. Any entities existing in the gray area, if they have never entered the white area, can only think in terms of concepts. Unless something had moved from the gray area and into the white area and experienced that's right and experienced light or experienced seeing a mountain or experienced the taste of ice cream or hearing a bird sing or feeling the wind move across their skin. So there we have two regions and we will talk more about what it is that comes into this physical universe. But first we're going to name those two regions. We know what composes now the gray area and that is a form of, I hate to say higher consciousness, but a form of universal thinking. Universal cosmic consciousness, if you will. But now you can understand why I said cosmic consciousness, the name, is not expansive enough to describe process theology. So, 
we have the area where the concepts are. So we'll call this an area, we'll call this area the area of conceptualization. Conceptualization. Does that mean only concepts exist there? No. We will talk more about that later. Now the area that is the white area, the universe, this is where actuality takes place. The concept of light is only a concept in the gray area, but if you are in the white area, you actually experience light. I'll say that again. If you are in the white area, you, the dot, exist in the white area, then you experience, you actually experience the white area. So we're going to call the white area the region of actualization. Well, these are big words, and I apologize for that. But what can I say? The outside is where concepts are. Inside the white area is where concepts, knowledge, becomes actualized. And with that, we're going to leave for today. And we are going to let you think on this idea. Let you think whether it makes sense that the universe exists, that you, the dot, exists inside the universe, and that there is something outside the universe. And the details of those things is where the complexity of process theology begins. But I will tell you this, I am going to keep the ideas limited within each podcast so it doesn't become too confusing. And I am going to simplify what the diagram of process theology is all about. Anyway, stand tall. Stand strong. And I hope everything goes well with you over the next week. Peace. This is Daniel, signing up. Thank you for joining me today. In the meantime, remember to stand strong. Stand tall against the forces in society that want to reduce you to mere flesh and blood in order to dominate you and subjugate you, when in fact you have a spark of the divine within you. And it is that spark of the divine which is made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. 
you must have significance. And in fact, you must be significant. How could it be otherwise? This is Daniel signing off. Peace.